0: this podcast is part of the batman universe podcast network hosted by the batmanuniverse.net check out everything related to batman and the entire bat family at the batmanuniverse.net including news and original content related to comics movies television merchandise video games and more also check out some of the other unique podcasts that tbu has to offer Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Tim, former GameStop employee. I'm not Tim, but uh, (laughs) I do
2: have Tim with me. Tim, how are you doing? What's up, Dane? Yes, you are not Tim, but sometimes I wish I was Dane. (laughs) If you want to wish you can be me, we can wish and be each other. We could switch roles if you want.
1: (laughs) Well, I do want to be a former GameStop employee.
2: (laughs) Do you? (laughs) I don't know if that's what you really want.
1: So how are things going at GameStop?
2: Let's see. Should I tell you how they we were going back in from two thousand two to two thousand four when I was working there? <laughs> yes. Yes. How how were things? <laughs> well, let's see. We were for when I first started, we were just getting ready to launch big new GameCube games. We had Star Fox Adventures coming out. We've had Super Mario Sunshine coming out a week after I first started. And then we're ready for the debut of Kingdom Hearts for the PS2. So there's a lot of big stuff going on in GameStop in 2002 and pushing those pre-orders. You got to get those customers coming in and have them pre-order those games. So that's yeah. That was the big focus <laughs> <laughs> when I first started pretty much my whole time there. Pre-orders, pre-orders, pre-orders.
1: Pre-orders and um, used games, right? Used
2: games and a subscription to Game Informer magazine, which gives right. you a 10% discount card off every used game.
1: I totally forgot about uh, Game Informer. Is, is is Game Informer still GameStop exclusive? Yeah. Wow. It still
2: is, yep. But their magazine's gotten a lot thinner than it used to be back really? when I was working there because, as I'm sure most people do now, they go to websites like Game Informer online <laughs> to oh. get their content from Game Informer instead of the printed version, so... Understandably, wow. it's a lot thinner than what it used to be. I
1: don't think I've had a Game Informer in at least fifteen years.
2: Wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> about uh, yeah. That's about when they were still doing their big, or I should say, they're still their big, thick issues that they put out.
1: I think I was a senior in high school. <laughs> uh, the the last time I had a Game Informer,
2: yeah. If you go into a GameStop. Check them out yeah. and see how different they are now. It's how small and thin they are compared to they were back in the day.
1: Yeah, you, you know, considering that GameStop had to, like, close a bunch of stores and, you know, stuff like that. And I, I believe they, I had, have to. They,
2: had, they laid off yeah. a bunch of game, game Informer employees a few months ago, too.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I have to imagine that they had to lay off some Game, game Informer employees, too. Along with that, yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that's sad because <laughs> so, that was that was a good a good magazine.
2: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and in depth previews, reviews, and even way back, like when I first started there, the back end of the issue would pretty much be a full walkthrough of a particular game for each month. So it'd be like a mini strategy guide in every issue for one game. Yeah. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's another thing too. Every time you pre-ordered a game, um. They would always ask you, or every time you bought a game, like I guess they would, uh, GameStop would ask you if you um, would like the strategy guide. With That's it,
2: right, yeah, and you'd save an additional twenty percent off. Yeah, twenty percent,
1: right. <laughs> I, I forgot about that.
2: Uh, you're taking me back to all the stuff I had to remember to say and do. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder if they're still pushed to do all that stuff.
1: But. I don't think so. I think it's just mostly the the. Uh, Either the pre-sales or uh, pre or the pre-orders or the uh, used games, right?
2: Yeah, I would imagine used games still the big push they want to do because that's all profit for GameStop. Yeah.
1: But anyway, um, yeah, that's our GameStop uh, update. Well, <laughs> I guess.
2: speaking of video games, I've been wanting to ask you a week ago yeah. since you texted me yeah. that you are going to get into the Dragon Ball franchise, and I got excited about that. And yeah. the reason why is because you were going to play the new game, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. And I haven't started it yet. I have it, but I was needing to finish Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I did do hmm. last night. So I will be starting that soon. But I'm okay. curious to hear your thoughts, not only on the game, but on Dragon Ball itself. So, Dane, please tell me.
1: Good, because um, I have... A variety of questions. Oh, um, I
2: imagine so. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, um, unlike most, uh, 30 somethings, I guess you'd say, um, maybe even 40 somethings now, <laughs>
0: um,
1: I did not grow up with Dragon Ball, period. Mm-hmm. Um, just totally skipped it, wasn't interested in it, was more of a cowboy bebop sort of guy. Gotcha,
2: that's a uh, show I actually haven't seen at all, but heard great things about it too. It's like always yeah. in the top three of the best animes ever list that I usually see.
1: I'm gonna have to admit, it did not age very well.
2: It's a really? little
1: slow. <laughs> yeah, um, I I had a hard time getting back into it. Um, but anyway, uh, Dragon Ball. I know nothing about Dragon Ball besides the fact that it's an anime that came out a long time ago. Yep. Um. And I I know there's like a bunch of them, like Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball GT and Dragon Ball the Super. Yeah. So there's four series. Something. Yeah.
2: Just yeah. It's just Super. Oh, it's
1: just Super. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I know nothing about Dragon Ball. So so going into this game, I thought that I I had no idea what it was. I thought it was just a Dragon Ball video game. So and it looked cool, so I bought it. Um, I did not know that it was a remake remake of the Dragon Ball Z TV show, right?
2: Pretty much, yeah, a retelling of it with. I think some added content in there, I guess, to stretch out for a game that you would need to. So yeah, but I think probably all the basic major plot points are being told in that game from the entire series.
1: Okay. And let me get this straight. So in Dragon Ball, the original anime, right? Mm -hmm. Goku was a kid, right? Yes. Okay. But, but in Dragon Ball, Z E, he's an adult. Yes. Even though it takes place only five years later.
2: Well, the series of Dragon Ball, it jumps in time a lot over the course of the series. There's some big time jumps. So, and oh, okay. That, for when the series were made, yeah, it wasn't that long. But it's a normal time gap in the universe of the show, too. It just skips ahead in certain points of the series of Dragon Ball. And even in Dragon Ball C, you'll see it jumps in time quite a bit.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm only really early in the game. I'm at the point where uh um I forget the guy's name. Uh, <laughs> Give me um, some
2: descriptions, I'll tell you his name. <laughs> long
1: hair with the red retic- ridicule thing. What's his name? Like
2: Is it Raditz?
1: Gaditz? Raditz, right. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah,
0: Yeah>.
1: Raditz. <laughs> Raditz, yeah. Uh, he is fighting Piccolo.
2: Okay. Yeah. You are so very early, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in the, So you're very early in the story, but I'm curious, how many hours are you into the game? Because I'm wondering if the game takes a while in each story point in the series. Like, you're five hours into it, but there's so much content, you're just barely scratching the surface um, of the story.
1: It, it's, it's more of a... Um, you are... So he finds out that... Or there's a big high-level life form or something, mm-hmm. right? And he comes upon Piccolo. And I guess before that, they're introducing the fighting system and the, uh, um, what is that? Uh, the upgrade system, like how to upgrade your okay. Goku.
2: Like the RPG um, mechanics of the game.
1: Yeah, the RPG mechanics of the game. So they're introducing all of that, he introduced all all the side quests. Um, there's a side quest where you gotta find. Um, I forget the old man's name. Um, oh, what's the old man's name? Tim oh, uh, Master Roshi. Master Roshi, You've gotta find his uh, his porn.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, is it his Playboy magazine? Yeah, yeah. It's Playboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah his pride was... and joy
1: in the series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the turtle guy hit it. On that little island. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a bunch of side quests. So I got sidetracked with with all of that. Um, so I don't know. I want to say I'm two and a half hours okay. into the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I really need an explanation. Um, maybe I missed it. I, I just don't know what's going on. Okay. So Goku is an alien, right? Yes. Okay, so he crash-landed in Japan or whatever that They
2: the don't report. have actually real-world cities, but it's Earth. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so he was he crash-landed as a as a kid like Superman.
2: Yeah, an infant, yeah, just a baby and, pretty much.
1: Yeah, he he was raised by Master Roshi?
2: No, it was okay. one of Master Roshi's students. Who was also kind of because Master Roshi's pretty old, but he's able to live long. <laughs> so oh. this person who you adopted Goku was Roshi's student, but he's pretty much just as old as Master Roshi is in the series. Yeah. So okay.
1: and Oh my god. What's that guy's name? The bald guy? Curlin? Curlin?
2: Yeah. The Krillin. short bald guy? curlin Right, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so that's his best friend and Bulma is his friend too. Yes. Okay. And they grew up together. Yes. Okay. So Goku fought Piccolo.
2: Yes. That was was bad yeah. That was the very end of the original Dragon Ball series. Where Goku and Piccolo fought in the martial arts tournament. And, And and how come they fought? Because before that, Goku killed Piccolo's father, as uh, someone who was trying to collect the Dragon Balls and conquer the Earth. So Goku had a fight with him, yeah. killed his father. But there's a lot of explanation. <laughs> you know, I wonder if they'll go into that in the game. But there's a more to Piccolo's history and story that you'll find out as you go along. But okay. that's the basics of their rivalry: cause Piccolo grew up hating Goku because he killed his father, and then Goku, Goku killed beat him.
1: Piccolo's father. Yes. Okay. Um, and the Dragon Balls, they're just things that you find that will grant you a wish? Yes.
2: Collect okay. all seven Dragon Balls, you summon the Eternal Dragon Shenron, and he'll grant you one wish. Okay. And, and there will be more revealed about the source of the Dragon Ball's power and where they come from also.
1: Okay. So so Goku collected the Dragon Balls in Dragon Ball, right? Yeah. And he what did he wish
2: for? Well, over the course of the series, there's different events where they try to collect the Dragon Balls and make wishes, but certain, especially in the beginning of the series, they would never get their wish. They'd have to use it for something else to stop the villain or someone else would come in and make a dumb wish <laughs> to ruin everything. So it's very rare when they actually wish for what they want to, but it does happen. But just in the early goings of the series, it didn't happen too much.
1: Okay. So he didn't wish for anything then?
2: No. Okay. You want to know what the very first wish when Dragon Ball was? What? A pair of ladies' underwear.
1: <laughs> really? By Master
2: Roshi? <laughs> Have you met the pig, Oolong?
1: No. Okay. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> he was the one who... That was one of the times where he jumped in to make a wish to stop a, a villain from using an evil wish just to yeah. stop him when he said some ridiculous thing like that and then... You see him over like a few episodes wearing a pair of ladies' underwear over his head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, or I was telling you about some of its ridiculous humor. In the text I was telling you about the original Dragon Ball yeah. series. That's one of those instances. Oh, okay. <laughs> Boy, <this is> funny. <laughs> All right. So, I think I'm
1: caught up with Dragon Ball now.
2: On certain things, yeah. But...
1: Yeah. Okay, and, so, and, I- in between. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to
2: say another thing yeah. that you'll probably wonder about over the course of Dragon Ball Z that you'll wonder, oh, how did that happen? What this is that they'll say that if you died, you can only be wished back to life once by the dragon. So if you die twice, that's it. And you'll find out certain characters are like that, where they've been killed and brought back. But if they die again, they can't be brought back.
1: Okay, so I die, I get brought back to life by the Dragon Ball or the dragon, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And any character can die yeah. Like that. Okay. And be brought back like that. But then I die again and I'm dead forever. Yes. Okay. Um so in between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, Goku meets Chi Chi, his wife.
2: He actually meets Chi Chi as a little kid. And, okay. So they've kind of Or they get not really grew up together, way. they met, yeah. but then it was kind of like an arranged marriage type thing where Goku's so oblivious to what things mean as a little kid, Chi-Chi asked him as a little girl, will you marry me? And I all oh, sure. And then years later, when they're both grown up, she comes back and they're like, you promised me that you gotta, gotta get married. Oh. It's like, okay. Uh, oh, she...
1: <laughs> and then they got married. Yes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, yeah, they get married. They have Gohan. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and I'm I'm sort of unclear about what a what Raditz is. Like like what is he? So is... so he's his Goku's brother? Yes. Okay. And Goku is an alien called a Saiyan. Yes.
2: And And that was a big re- reveal in Dragon Ball Z because in Dragon Ball, you knew there was something special about Goku, but you never knew what it was. It's like there was never revealed he was okay. an alien until this beginning part of Dragon Ball Z.
1: So, the name of the alien race is Saiyan, right? Mm Yes. Okay. Um,
2: I think I got it. Okay. For now, I'm sure more questions are going to pop up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know,
1: because Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, they just drop you into the story and they expect you to know it. Um, and a lot of people do. I mean, this yeah. is like common knowledge for, like I said, thirty-somethings, forty-somethings, right? That grew up with this, watching this show. Uh, but for some of that didn't, it's it's a little complicated. That's like,
2: that's what I'm really curious, and also excited to hear what you think about it as you go yeah. along. Well, oh,
1: okay, so 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 why are they following? Why are they trying to find Goku? Why does Raditz come to Earth? to find Goku.
2: They'll, they'll get into this soon, also, as far as why and what does Raditz actually work for. But basically, Saiyans, as a race, they're sent to inhabited planets to destroy it and take out all the life. And then, yeah. once that planet is unpopulated, they'd sell it to the highest bidder to take control of that planet to, to rule. So, Kakarot was sent to Earth to destroy it. He hasn't done it. And right to try to find out why. <laughs> so
1: Oh, so so Goku's name is Kakarot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep on saying Kakarot yes. all over the time. Uh, okay.
2: Okay. That's his birth given Saiyan name. Okay.
1: And again, so, uh, take over the planet. And then sell the planet yes. pretty much. Okay.
2: But then you'll see the history of the Saiyans gets more interesting and there's more to it as <laughs> you'll find out.
1: So so Goku didn't do that no yeah So he here, just became like a human and he well, here's the, just cruising around
2: yeah because yeah. saiyans are this warrior race who just live to fight and destroy <laughs> and right. goku as a little kid i'm not sure if they will go into this in the game but what happened to him why he didn't destroy it he was as a baby was he's when he's found by his grand grandpa gohan why he switches who he named his son after um uh, Goku is like his rough little baby causing trouble, aggressive, <laughs> this is this really like pain in the neck baby. But then on a walk, his grandfather was like carrying him in a basket, and something happened where he fell off he dropped like he fell off like, a cliff, uh, like a waterfall. I forget the exact area what it was, but Goku fell, hit his head really hard, and got amnesia. And kind of all his evil tendencies got away, got were gone away once he hit his head and his grandpa Gohan was able to raise him as he would like as a kind, loving boy. So that's why he grew up not remembering kind of his tendencies as a saying. And plus, when you're a baby saying in the, the, your pod ship that you're in, you're kind of being fed information by a computer on what you have to do. And since he was found by his grandpa Gohan, he wasn't being fed that information, I guess, regularly. Then, But when, especially when he hit his head, he wouldn't yeah. remember anything. So that's why he was couldn't remember anything about his mission, his saying heritage, or <laughs> all he had is the strength, <laughs> which no one knew where he came from. But now they know that was the big reveal of Dragon Ball Z and why he was so strong and powerful as a little kid. It's because he's an alien.
1: Okay. I think I'm good. Because that was the big thing. I was like, okay, so what's a Kakarot? <laughs> why is <laughs> like, this
2: game called this? <laughs> yeah.
1: And how come... Raditz has come to Earth to find Goku. Like, I, I just did not get it. Um,
2: so, have you gotten to a point where, oh, you, know, you said Raditz was just about to fight Piccolo? That's the last bit of the story you saw? Yeah. Okay, so there should be another scene where Raditz probably explains everything I just said <laughs> to Goku and his friends coming up fairly soon. So, probably okay. do a better job than I did. Hopefully, well, <laughs> well, they, the do,
1: they they do explain it. Um, because Raditz is on the, I don't know, I don't know what you call the, the Saiyan home world, but he's talking to somebody. Okay. And he's like, oh, you know, what happened to Kakarot and, you know, Kakarot this and Kakarot that, you know, and then he gets in a spaceship and comes to earth. By the way, I really like the Saiyan landing, um, the, the spaceship landing, no okay. landing gear nope. nothing <laughs> just, just slammed into the
2: as yeah. <laughs> a big crater wherever it lands yes <laughs> i thought that was funny um, but overall i i like the game it
1: it's, it's a really good fighting game
2: well i was going to ask how was the gameplay aspect of uh, yeah, it yeah
1: it's it's a really really good fighting game um, you you you're mostly up in the air you're flying around it's it's in 3D you, you know you're fighting in 3D it's not yeah. just you know like a street fighter sort of thing um the upgrade system is a little complicated um the both the skills part of it and the um it's not weapons of course but it's uh your armor mm-hmm. is a little complicated but okay um you just gotta play around with it, uh, but overall, I I really like the game. I so, so some parts, like especially in the beginning, when you're with Gohan and Gohan is like, I know it's different from the anime uh, because I watched that first episode of the anime and it's completely different. <laughs>
0: um,
1: you're you and Gohan. It, it starts off where you and Gohan are. Looking for apples and a fish for so that uh, Chi Chi can cook it for dinner. Okay, and that was a little tedious because Gohan gets scared, and you have to walk around everywhere. Oh, really? So <laughs> that's a little tedious, and he like you—you can't, you, you can't just go ahead of him and you know uh, get to the checkpoint. Because you have he, to stay right by his side. Yeah, you have to walk by him. Yeah. So so that's a little tedious, but I, I do like it. The the fighting is really good. If if that's what you're looking for in a Dragon Ball game, you are you, you will not be disappointed.
2: Cool. Yeah, because there's been tons of Dragon Ball fighting games, as you know. Some of them are in that 3D uh, realm that you're talking about, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but I'm hoping this one is the best one <laughs> they've had in that style. Yeah, because yeah. it looks cool from what I'm seeing in the trailers and Just experiencing the story again hopefully in a cool unique way because the game a lot of the fighting games of Dragon Ball Z go over the main story a lot but with this one having that more RPG style to it that's what I'm excited about to hopefully have it be a cool different experience uh, seeing the story play out again so I'm excited to start it and I can't wait for you to get to my favorite part of Dragon Ball Z which is the android slash cell saga which it's probably going to be in the halfway point of the game, I would imagine. But that's my favorite story part of Dragon Ball Z. Great characters, fights, favorite villain of the series. So, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> can't wait to get to that one.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking yeah.
2: about. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but I, I, I know I do have to complete it because they're doing a Dragon Ball GT Kakarot or whatever remake uh-huh. of the television series. Too. Really? Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, th- it's uh three
2: games. I gotta find out so, about that because I don't think they tackle GT because that's not kind of well regarded amongst <laughs> Dragon Ball fans. Oh, really? It kind of doesn't really count anymore in the main canon, so I would think they would do Super next after Dragon Ball Z. Hold on, I'm looking it up because <laughs> the main I, I the main creator of Dragon Ball wasn't really involved with GT that much, and they did certain things with the characters that felt repetitive and the stories weren't really that great.
1: I could have swore that they were doing three of them that, that I saw that they were doing three of them.
2: Well, but, what they should do is, well, technically they should have started off with Dragon Ball first. <laughs> yeah. Start from the beginning, then do Z and then do super. But
1: yeah. Cause as somebody that doesn't pay attention to, dragon ball i was totally lost
2: yeah like i was telling you there's gonna be certain elements of dragon ball's history that you're gonna have some questions on as you watch dragon ball z because that's how it was for me watching dragon ball z for the first time because i started with that and they'd reference certain um, past histories or events that they would talk about oh that's interesting or they'd say something about a character oh how did that happen or what's the story behind that so uh, it's not the worst thing in the world you can still follow the series along but once yeah. you really get into the series you do you want to go back and find out what happened and see the stuff that they're referencing for yourself?
1: Okay. So apparently I just made that up. Yeah. I could have swore. I saw they were doing all, is it three television series?
2: I would imagine there's four, but like I said, I don't think they do GT.
1: Oh, I see. So, so, so what is that, that anime series and not anime series, um, anime movie that the only reason i know about it is because the, one of the voice actors got in trouble
2: oh yeah <laughs> dragon ball super broly was the last movie that came out a year ago now yeah so what is that here. so there there's actually over the course of the dragon ball dragon ball z dragon ball Z's run they made about 13 movies and a lot of them don't flow too well in the main story canon you'll see certain things that contradict each other so you just kind of kind of take the movies as a separate entity with the characters but Um, But for Dragon Ball Super Broly, that was supposed to be one where it showed you more history of the Saiyans and their planet and their past regarding Goku's family. Okay. But that kind of retconned a lot of stuff (laughs) that was established in Dragon Ball Z that I wasn't a huge fan of. So I won't even go into that just yet because you're just getting into the series now and you'll learn more about Goku's history in the Saiyans as you progress through the Dragon Ball Z story, which I think is actually still better than what they did in the Broly movie.
1: Okay, so pretty much don't watch GT then.
2: Don't watch GT, and I'd say hold off on watching the movies until you complete the series. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. I think I'm good, Tim. Ooh, yeah. I, I, I I think I'm a Dragon Ball fan. Uh... Supporter,
2: no, I'm excited Uh-oh. to have you take your first steps into the Dragon Ball series universe. I mean, it could be yeah. like you're saying, maybe a little intimidating going into it first time of all these different series and where to begin and all that stuff. But once you step your foot into it, I think you'll get hooked in just like with Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Dane, any questions you have, send them my way. <laughs> I'll yeah. be happy to answer what I could.
1: Well, for, from the looks of it, it, it seems like I'm gonna have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Like, especially, like, the tail. Um, That's another thing, too. Like, how come Gohan has a tail and Goku has, like, an artificial tail?
2: Yeah. See, that's something new they did for the game with Goku having an artificial tail. Yeah. That's something brand new for the game. That wasn't in the series.
1: Okay. So, he had a tail, but he cut it off or whatever.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's in Dragon Ball, yeah. And how, how come they have tails? That's just part of the... Stay in physiology. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. part of their species. And, and you'll Lattice, find out what it... Fred how... doesn't have one, though. He does. It's actually wrapped around his waist. It kind of looks like he's wearing... A, it's part of his uniform, but it's actually okay. his tail. Okay. And you'll <laughs> see why they have a tail later on. <laughs> Alright.
1: Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, Tim, because, believe it or not, both of us are involved for no reason. In um, a big, giant controversy.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs>
1: um, so, if you haven't heard, the Houston Astros, back in 2017, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, they were cheating. Uh, Plain and were, simple,
2: that's all you could say, cheats. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they were using uh, technology, so a camera, to steal... Um, the catcher signs relay it to the dugout, and the dugout would relay it to the batter, right?
2: In various ways.
1: So, like I said, both of us are involved because Mike Fires, <laughs> <laughs> the, the former Astros pitcher, was the whistleblower on it. Hey, I gotta basketball. give
2: props to him. I know there's some <laughs> players out there giving him crap for, like, you yeah. can't betray your team and all that. Hey, someone's cheating on this scale it's got to come out some way and it's going to be you know really looked into if it's coming from a player so i'm really happy that he did it
1: yeah so he told the white Sox that you know the the astros steal signs and he told the the a's that that they were stealing signs and he told the athletic (laughs) that um the, the astros were stealing signs um and, and to be honest, I did have a suspicion that something was going on because you remember you Darvish, right? He was pitching for the the Dodgers. Yeah, he had that bad game.
2: Yeah, Game Seven, he got bombed.
1: Yeah, and the Astros said that, or somebody said that he was tipping his pitches, um, which means he he was showing his pitches, showing his throwing hand, him forming the grip, and he wasn't hiding it. Um, but then something didn't ring right with me because so, so so you're telling me you Darvish who had been pitching for like, like 10 years at that point as a professional, not only in America, but in Japan too was tipping his pitches. Like that doesn't make any sense because an experienced pitcher wouldn't do that.
2: Not to Uh, mention being in the same division as the Astros for a while too. Right. with right,
1: with, With Texas. Right. Um, something didn't make sense. Um, but then they, uh, the Astros, of course, won that World Series. And then I can't remember if they said they wouldn't do it anymore or something, or they stopped doing it. But or they got, No, they didn't admit they to caught. anything.
2: Yeah, about, right, they got caught. It was yeah. in 2017. It was the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Yankees were accusing the Red Sox about using Apple Watches for sign right, right. stealing. Then the commissioner kind of issued a warning to everybody, like saying, hey, this is... Tech, use of technology for sign stealing is prohibited, and we're issuing a warning. And if you get caught doing this again, we're going to come down hard on you. That's where it's kind of like
0: yeah. the
2: Astros just ignored it moving forward from that.
1: Right. So, um, like everybody says, I don't think they stopped. They just really? got better at it. And now, now there's accusations that during the uh, ALCS, they they were using like. Tactic feedback, uh, you know, vibrations on their on their shoulder. Dude, um, you
2: you seen that footage of Altuve running yeah around after he hit that walk up home run, Yeah, to cover the up don't, his shirt, yeah, don't, don't rip, rip it, it off. The shirt. Yeah. And then he runs immediately into the dugout instead of celebrating with his teammates. I'm like, come on. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and and it it wasn't so much that it was it was Chapman's face. Yeah, that After he yeah. gave up the home run.
2: That smirk he had on it. Yeah, did he know, or did he have a suspicion? I think I think so because yeah. I think it was a combination of just you know disbelief that he gave up that home run, but also hey, there's kind of something more to this yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So, um. Yeah, that, that's the story, and Tim, I just want to get your opinion because you of all people (laughs) are the the most affected by this story. Yeah, sure. The the Mike fires was on the A. It is on the A's, but, and Mike fires broke the story, but I I guess they weren't as the A's weren't as effective, uh, affected by the, the science dealing as the Yankees were Yankees and Dodgers.
2: Dodgers. Right. Yeah. I would think more so with the Yankees because, and especially when, it's in the postseason. Obviously, it's going to have more of an egregious effect on you, knowing that it, it caused a, a potentially different outcome. But when you look at it, that series in 2017, the Yankees won all their games at home, and the Astros won all their games at home. And if right. that sign-stealing technology was in use during those games, which I 100% think there was, the Yankees could have won one of those games in Houston, and they would have been in the World Series. So, yeah. the Yankees were suspicious of it. They were kind of letting Major League Baseball know about it and giving them information before I think Mike Fires even came out with and told the Athletic about what was going on. So there has been rumblings and whispers from team, but I know the Yankees were big ones, kind of making trying to make it known to the Commissioner's Office because they always suspected something with that. So yeah, man, it's it was definitely infuriating when all the. <laughs> that news came out as far as it you know, being confirmed and what they were doing. But they, they got hit hard like the commissioner said they would. So, I mean, first it was just going to be suspensions for the GM and the manager, but the fact that they got fired is yeah. a big deal. And I think deservedly so. There has to be repercussions for this. And that World Series is tainted. I don't care what the Astros say, because they're all going to say it's not, but everyone around Major League Baseball analysts, baseball talk shows, even players, are saying how well, that's a tainted World Series championship. And I think they'll never do it, but they probably should st- strip the title from them. I think it's that egregious and that blatant of what they did of having to affect their, them winning a World Series. And I don't think they should give it to the Dodgers or give it to the Yankees or anything like that because you don't know if they really would have won, but it kind of should, it would be a stain on the game, but we already had one in 1994, no World Series champion, so if they wanted to change the record right. books and just have no one for 2017, I actually would have been okay with that, just to really show that, hey, no team can do this, and just show the consequences of what happens when you do get caught.
1: What about the players?
2: Uh, it, you know,
1: everything, everybody's saying that this was a player-run thing. Yeah. Um, Carlos Beltran was a player, right? Yep,
2: he was one of the ringleaders.
1: Um Alex Cora was a bench coach, but you know. What do you think should happen with the players?
2: I uh, see, it's kind of strange because there's a way to a different way to look at it where you can think some of them the main offender should have been suspended. Yeah. But then also um there's a way to look at it where if they're they don't specifically name players. You can kind of lump the whole team with that stain and that reputation of right. being cheaters, which is kind of what it is now, because the commissioner didn't name any specific player other than Beltron in that report. So everyone's on that team's looked as cheaters now. They're gonna have to answer those questions and whatnot. So um, I think there should have been some little more repercussions for the players, though, because nothing's affecting them. They still get the World Series rings. They're not suspended. They got their World Series bonus money. So there would have been nice if they had some type of repercussions as far as benefiting from the world series championship. But I don't know. I just think they, sh- cause they haven't yet. They just got to come out and own up to it. Say they messed up, apologize and just don't deny it. They didn't continue to deny it or just say, don't want to talk about it. It just makes them look even worse. And the Astros are already probably the most hated team in baseball right now, which is kind of weird to say, <laughs> where it's not the Yankees anymore. because <laughs> right. That was always the case. But I just think everyone really hates the Astros and even their players with their attitude, their cocky, smug attitude that they have. Players like Alex Bregman and now Altuve, the most likable player. Now you can't look at him the same way because of what <laughs> the possible thing with that buzzer in his jersey, which they're going to deny that all they want. But I just think the evidence is overwhelming that right? you just can't believe anything they say anymore because they don't deserve that right anymore You just got to take everything they say now and question it because of them being cheaters and,
1: and and so what has chapman said about about all of this
2: all he said was on twitter he yeah. put that uh, michael jackson thriller emoji of him eating the popcorn in the theater like watching oh. everything unfold <laughs> that's all he said about
1: it oh <laughs> uh, i'm really curious to hear what, what Chapman has to say about it because th- there was that smirk
2: and yeah. And him sending that tweet, I think obviously he suspects that or knew yeah. about that. And now he just, <laughs> like it said, enjoying the show of all, all the punishment coming down on him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, 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 you know, what was the, uh, the, the thing about Chapman was like, that convinced me that they, they were, something wasn't right was the the post-game interview um, where Altuve is like oh I was expecting fastball but then he cranks a off-speed pitch
2: Mm, sure you Uh, were yeah (laughs) expecting (laughs) it but then was told something different so
1: so you're telling me you're expecting fastball but you (laughs) you homer on the off-speed okay (laughs) that that didn't make sense to me yeah
2: that's uh, yeah, I don't care what they say. They, I fully believe he, he had that buzzer on there. It's just yeah. too much crazy stuff going on with what happened after the shirt running into the dugout and his lame excuse oh, my wife doesn't want me to show off me without my shirt off or something like that. Right, right. Then you see a bunch of Instagram posts of his uh, people are saying, or like he's a tons of pictures without his shirt off <laughs> as he's working <laughs> out or whatever. Like, <laughs> so much stuff contradicting what he says.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on the whole thing, considering, you know, your your team is involved, and your team was the most affected besides the Dodgers. So,
2: yeah, like was wasn't happy about it, but I'm just happy that now the Astros got punished, and they're just kind of in shambles right now as far as the management goes, and just their reputation now. Yeah, but they get they're getting what they deserve.
1: Yes, they are. Um, but now we can move on to something better, right, Tim?
2: Oh, yes. No oh. cheating or controversy here.
1: <laughs> Let's do Dark Knight Razz's Minimum and commentary. Also, not featuring any buzzers.
2: <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, for this episode, we're going from minute 141 to 142. For the two-hour and... 21st minute to the 2 hour and 22nd minute uh, so as always grab your VHS tape, grab your beta tape grab your laser disc grab your HD DVD grab your projector, grab your did I get all of them Tim? You Grab your Blu-ray probably your 4K copy probably, <laughs> probably your digital copy um Grab your Netflix physical subscription copy. And of course, as always, grab your, your uh, VHS to DVD converted copy. Uh, way that's the movie.
2: Never going to die out. But. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so grab any of those copies and I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right, three. Two, one, play.
2: John Blake is trying to make his way across the Gotham Bridge. You are saying you weren't sure if there was any buzzers or not in your rivals. <laughs> well, Talia did have that detonator. I don't know if that counts as a buzzer.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not going to count that because um, I didn't see any signs. Any, <laughs> uh, you know, secret signs. She so. wasn't
2: doing anything with Bane at that moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe they could have used some science here. The plan maybe would have worked. Or oh like yeah,
1: <laughs> they could have used the camera in
2: center field. <laughs> See, maybe right here, instead of just telling him what he's going to do, and they're yeah. goodbye, <laughs> and kind of putting Bane in the friend zone right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Tom Hardy hey. acting with his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> you can say oh, what you I want
2: mean. about his voice, but you can't say what uh, Tom Hardy was able to do with his facial expressions. So, With yeah. his great performance as Bane in this.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's our minute in the commentary. Um, now we can move on to our featured topic for this episode, which is a long one. Um, luckily, we're not doing... A, comic books anymore because this would be the longest episode ever made it'd be longer than all all of the saga continues
2: well for that to be accurate this episode would have to be over seven hours so seven (laughs) hours and two minutes or one minute (laughs) the bar is set maybe not that long (laughs) maybe not (laughs) But yeah, so our feature topic is going to be as always our annual look back at our favorite moments of 2019. And as always in typical bat fans fashion, we do it late <laughs> January. Everyone usually do does it at end of December, early January, but hey, we have our own style and we're doing it late January <laughs> cuz that's how it's always been. So, yeah, we're going to kick off with the various topics, favorite movie, favorite favorite TV shows, favorite album, video game, comic series comic writer artist issue and this is our favorite nerdy or geek out experience overall of 2019 so first off we'll we'll go with the obvious one for me anyway which is going to be no surprise favorite movie of 2019 so this is going to be more i'm curious of what yours was dane but yeah. for me obviously as i talked about a little bit on last week's and seven hours worth on the saga continues. The Rise of Skywalker. I mean, we had some great movies this year. Avengers Endgame came in second for me. We had Joker and a bunch of other great superhero movies. But the reason The Rise of Skywalker was my favorite this year really is because the story direction, how it ended with where they took Rey and her taking on the Skywalker name and having the legacy of the Skywalkers carry on. But yet their story is complete was what happened in episode nine. So I just loved how it wrapped up the story and raised character arc. That final scene of the rise of Skywalker is one of my favorites of all the star Wars movies. Her saying Ray Skywalker seeing Luke and Leia look upon her as force ghosts. And then her looking out at the twin tattooing sons, this iconic moment, iconic star Wars imagery right there. So uh, that's why it's my favorite. And of course, there's other great stuff I love about the movie, but I won't go into too much because I talked about it forever already. But for that reason, in particular why it's number one is because how it wrapped up the story and where it took Ray. So, *Rise of Skywalker* my favorite movie of 2019. So, Dane, I know it's not yours, but <laughs> I'm wondering what is your favorite movie of 2019?
1: Well, I've actually seen a lot of the Best Picture nominees uh, for the, for the Oscars. Gotcha. Um,
2: I I do want to check out 1917 before.
1: Yeah. So 1917 is really good. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I thought it was okay. Um,
2: I wanted to see that, but I've heard mixed things about it. I heard some people say it's great. Tarantino's best. And others say, "Mm." (laughs) like, it wasn't really nothing particularly great or disappointing for what they were expecting.
1: Yeah. It's just sort of average. I'd say, um, the Irishman I've seen, on Netflix. Uh, marriage Story I've seen. Seen with, that great uh, performances
2: from Adam Driver. Yeah, with Scott Adam
1: Jones. Driver. Oh. Yeah. And I seen uh, Parasite. That was a good movie. Uh, also seen Joker, of course. Um. So, uh, I had a really hard time with the the best movie I've seen. Was it Joker? Um. Uh, but uh, I, 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 I do have to get on the bad wagon Tim. uh Parasite was the best film I've saw, I, I saw last year
2: what is that really about because to be honest I haven't seen do, much do, about do it not,
1: do not learn anything if you're, okay. if you're <laughs> on seeing it don't learn anything about it just know that okay it's a poor family and a rich family the poor family works for the rich family that's okay. all you need to know
2: because I don't remember seeing um, commercials for it, who's in it, or anything really. I yeah. just heard the name as it's being nominated so, for a bunch of awards.
1: So I have not been surprised by a movie in such a long time. Like I've been surprised with Parasite. I thought it was a family drama, and and to an extent, it 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 definitely is. And and you know the thing with with Korean movies. They have to be all of these things, or what I've read is they have to be all of these things. They have to be a a good family drama, a good comedy, a good drama, a good thriller, a good horror movie, all at the same time because there's not, Korea doesn't put out as much movies as we do, right? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, you can make a comedy and it can be a comedy or you can make a drama and you can be a drama or you can make a horror movie and it can be a horror movie, right? So there's not a lot of crossover, but parasite ha- or Korean movies have to be all of these things at once, right? Um, I do. do you plan on seeing it, Tim?
2: I want to because I've heard
1: okay, good I'm buzz say, about I'm it.
2: Gonna... But just again, like not knowing yeah. what it's about. Okay, so I'm not gonna say anything about okay. it then.
1: Um, but it takes a turn. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it takes a huge, huge turn. That you do not expect coming, uh, you do not see coming. Um, so, what what the story is is pretty much this poor family um, sort of attaches itself to this rich family. Um, the the son character becomes a English teacher for the for the daughter of the fa- of the rich family. Um, the dad becomes. The, the driver, the mother becomes the housekeeper, the sister becomes the art teacher, right? Um, so they're sort of... But, but, but they, they, um, they say that they don't know each other, that, oh, this is my uncle's friend or this is my sister's uh, good friend's brother or whatever. You know, so they're sort of attaching themselves to this rich family. Um, because they're poor and they need money right um that's all you need to know about it but like i said it takes a huge huge turn right after the middle of the movie (laughs) and you do not see it coming and it turns into i i i don't want to it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's it. a turn for
2: the better though right Yeah, join the movie put it
1: this way uh you watch the trailers they i i can't remember who put this out was the screen gems i i can't remember but they marketed this movie so well uh <laughs> you do not see it coming at all um yeah, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But I, I, I do like, uh, I, 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 I do like movies like this, uh, where he, you don't see it coming. It's right on the left field. Um, if you don't like being surprised like that, I definitely wouldn't suggest watching this movie. <laughs> um, but I also like um, Bong Joon Ho's movies. He did Snowpiercer, which I thought was really good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, the Host. Uh, mother, which is really good. Uh, and Memories of Murder. By the way, it, Memories of Murder is about a serial killer in Korea that happened back in like the, the 70s and the 80s, right? Okay. And the killer was never caught. Um, oh. And that's the whole crux of the movie. They have this this suspect... But then they send off his DNA to a, uh, uh, to America, and it turns out it's not that guy. But last year, they caught the guy. They caught the serial oh, killer. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. um, but We're yeah. going
2: to have to make a special edition of the movie where <laughs> yeah, and, uh, we get
1: solved. And, uh, addendum at the ending. Um, didn't really like Okja. Um, wasn't really for me. Uh, but I thought it was, a, I thought it was okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like Bong Joon-ho's movies. Didn't even know, (laughs) you know, like five years ago that I was watching all of his movies. Um, but I mean, especially with, uh, Memories of Murder, his, his, his movie about that South Korean or, uh, serial killer. Um, it it gets you so engaged in the story um, in the, the fact that de- the detectives find this suspect and, you know, of course it adds up because he, he, you know, he's creepy. He does this and that and the other thing. And he gets you so en- enraptured in the story that w- when the twist comes, when the bottom falls out, you totally don't expect it. And it's the same thing with parasite and, that's why it's <laughs> it's the it, it's it's the reason why you shouldn't know anything besides what I've told you going into it. it, it if you expect it, it, I mean, if you if you want to watch it, if you want to see it. Um. So, yeah, that's why it's my my favorite movie of 2019.
2: Oh, well, you definitely sold it on me as so far as I really wanted to check it out. So, yeah, I'll probably have to do that soon. I don't know so, if it's streaming so... anywhere, but I kind of doubt it if it's still you know kind of in the running for best picture Uh,
1: yeah it actually is i um so i went out to see this i went to the theater to see this on saturday the the saturday saturday that we uh recorded uh our 2020 first 2020 episode um and then i um i went out to see it and in that following Monday slash Tuesday, it came on a streaming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I
2: didn't even have to. <laughs> but was it worth it to see in a theater or yeah, was that the kind of movie? Okay, yeah,
1: it was good. But you know, if you got to stream, it, stream it. It's it's definitely worth it.
2: Okay, so where's it streaming on?
1: Um, Amazon, uh, iTunes, all of that.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll check it on Amazon then.
1: Yeah. Sweet. So yeah, that that's my favorite movie of 2019. It totally took me by surprise. I thought I was gonna be Joker, but out of nowhere, <laughs> here comes Parasite.
2: So well, let's see yeah. if it wins the Oscar. <laughs> let's see yeah. if it's your pick is an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: such a shame, and I do agree that the the actors didn't get any nominations for um, the Oscars because, like like Bong Joon Ho said, it it is in a movie that relies heavily on its actors and it's, it's just kind of sad, but anyway.
0: Gotcha.
2: All right. Well, moving on from movies to TV, our favorite TV show of 2019. And this was pretty much a two horse race for me, which you could probably guess what it was. Watchmen or the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian or Watchmen, which one. (laughs) Let me, let,
1: let me guess, Tim, before you say anything, because controversial, I'd say for you, uh, controversial choice for you I'm going to say it's going to be the Mandalorian and I'm going to say it because it is the almost the the almost perfect version of a Star Wars show that you would have wished for I
2: oh, man! should I even say why because you nailed it Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it really was <laughs> excuse me Again, you can make a case that Watchmen probably was a better written show with, you know, the twists and the character performances it's had. But with The Mandalorian, you just said it, the most perfect version of a Star Wars show, live action Star Wars show that I could have asked for. And as I said in our reviews for it, it exceeded my expectations. If it was kind of just what I expected to be about a bounty hunter going on missions and seeing what the underworld was like in Star Wars in more depth. I still would have loved it, but I think maybe Watchmen might have put maybe well, would have took the number one spot for me. But the fact that the Mandalorian introduced the aspect of Baby Yoda, that bond between the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, the possibilities of what that opens up for the Star Wars Galaxy as a whole, as I said before, that just took the series to another level. And then it just Really ended with the bang with that finale with some great action sequences. And you said, bringing a lot of stuff I love about Star Wars into the series and pulling it off on the TV scale. It was just incredible. So get Star Wars like this on a weekly basis was everything I could have hoped for. It would be in. I cannot wait for more. And you could say the same thing about Watchmen as far as expectations for that. Not knowing what it was going to be like, but then getting quality stories set in the Watchmen universe week after week was something really cool and special to get. I mean, there was a few weeks where we got to see new episodes of both series in one week, and that was awesome. <laughs> so it was a win-win for us fans as both for both. But the Mandalorian, you could call it like Star Wars bias is playing a factor into it. But it just really delivered on what I love about Star Wars and wanted from a live action Star Wars TV show. So you nailed it, Dane. That's why it was my favorite TV show of 2019.
1: Yeah, for me, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, was it The Mandalorian? Uh, was it Watchmen? Also, um, kind of forgotten about towards the end of the year, but Chernobyl, <laughs> which I really, really liked. Um,
2: that I haven't seen any, anything of.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. Really well done. Um, so it was a three-way tie. I knew for a fact that you were going to pick Watchmen. I mean, a uh, uh, Mandalorian.
2: Uh. Hmm. So you're still undecided, right? Yeah. now? <laughs> I'm still
1: undecided. I'm still undecided. Um, I think. I think. I'm going to have to do a two-way tie. Going
2: the tire out. Hey, I will. I think that's fine. I think you can allow to do that in certain cases.
1: Everything that they did in the Watchmen world was great, Um, particularly with Hooded Justice and this extraordinary being, which is, like I said, at at the time one of the best episodes of television I've watched in a long time. Um, but also you, you. we have Chernobyl. I know you didn't really see it, but uh, just the way they told the story, uh, they made it a, so, sort of like a personal story. It wasn't a big news headline, you know, about what happened in Chern- Chernobyl. And I, I know it's a little controversial, uh, you know, considering that they used British actors to play Russians and U- Ukrainians, right? But you know, I I, I kind of don't want to be uh, nuclear science to be explained in Russian. You know, okay. <laughs> I kind of want it to be in English. Um, but yeah, I, I it's gonna have to be a tie, Chernobyl or Watchmen.
2: Well, yeah, like I said, nothing wrong with going to tie in certain cases, and yeah. if you like some as equally as you do those two, why not say that? Yeah. But I, I just can't comment on Chernobyl since I never seen yeah. it. So uh, in my view, I'll say you pick Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. But
1: it's, it, well, it's particularly, uh, of course the acting, uh, the story of course, but how they explain what happened at Chernobyl was really, really well done. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a two way tie for me.
2: Cool. Next we can get onto the music category, our favorite album of 2019. So again, did a
1: 311 album come out this year? It did. So
2: year. is it going to be another no brainer that it's going to be my favorite of the year? <laughs> hold
1: on, hold on, Tim, before you say it, before you say it, let me, uh, let me see their discography really quick. Um, it's Voyager. Voyager is your favorite <laughs> album of the year. How uh, did you know, Dane? Your, your favorite song is called... Well, let's, let's see the, if you get
2: this right. Let's see if you get the, this right. Well, no, It is what not What are. The... I'm sorry. Even okay, though
0: it
1: is a I, cool, funky I, I, track. I got it, too. Okay. Good feeling.
2: No, that's actually my least favorite song. And maybe one of my least favorite 311 songs ever. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. A little too poppy and... Radio friendly type, <laughs> like, oh. yeah, a little too poppy for them, which I don't okay. blame them for doing. They got 13 albums, you wanted to experiment with yeah. some different styles, so why not? But not my favorite, all right. Dodging Raindrops, great track, but not my favorite. It was a little different from them, but it's
1: dang it. What is it, Tim?
2: Um, okay. see, now I'm curious to see how many tries it'll take you. Keep going. <laughs> stainless okay you got it okay (laughs) track three stainless i love that song it starts minutes and 50 seconds and there's a lot of different twists and turns in that song well i shouldn't say a lot but there's some twists and turns of that song where it starts off the slow cool almost looks like psychedelic type feel to it i would say then it gets real heavy heavy distortions the classic 311 rack rock rap <laughs> rack rap <laughs> i was mixing it up the rap rock style <laughs> that they have that is really cool outro heavy outro that goes into some cool lead guitars just a great track i love that one so much but just the album in general hey, Tim, uh
1: before you b- before you go into further ha- have you have you ever listened to refused
2: no actually i refuse to okay. listen to them. <laughs> Sorry, I just do the obviously terrible pun joke there. <laughs> I, I think you would like them. Okay, because to be honest, this a yeah. name that I can't it sounds familiar, but I could say I definitely haven't heard anything from it. But the name doesn't sound like something I've never heard of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh the album you should listen to is uh The Shape of Punk to Come.
2: Okay, is it a fairly yeah. new band or older?
1: No, no, this is an older band. Back in like the '90s. Okay. Uh, I think the shape of punk to come came out. Hold on, in '99, I want to say. '98, um, right? Okay. Is
2: that band that's still around? Or
1: yeah, they, well, they broke up after this album, and then they um. Uh, they got back together recently, and um, it's it's an album that they just threw everything at the wall because I think they knew. They were they weren't gonna last. So. Be it. <laughs> yeah. like I yet. Yeah, I think you would really like it. <laughs> yeah, be, because some some of their songs kind of remind me of the harder Three Eleven songs. Okay. So, yeah.
2: Cool. The The Refuse is what they call them.
1: Uh, refuse just or oh, just Refuse. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, check that out. So yeah, no surprise. It's hard when a Three Eleven album comes out for it not to be my favorite. I mean. They're my favorite band for a reason. (laughs) This The music styles, what I love about them so much, they keep what I love about their music, but also trying new and different things. So they just keep evolving as a band, and this album has that as well. But like I said, this is the first one where there was a direction they went to that I wasn't a big fan of, which was their single Good Feeling, (laughs) which I said, well, I didn't like it. But other than that track, I did love the direction they were going on this album. So it's my favorite. But just to show I wasn't listening nothing but 311 music I do like other bands so that I listen to. another really good album from a new band I just got into they're called Dollskin and they're an all girl band and they just have this really great heavy punk metal type sound that is really really good they're great musicians the guitarist the bassist the drummer there's some really great musicianship on the record that was uh, called Love is Dead and We Killed Her it came out in 2019 it's their third one and I heard a few other stuff about two years ago, but when this album came out, it just was really, really good. And they were kind of the first new band that I really got heavily into in a long, long time. Where I was just listening to that record nonstop. So that was probably my second favorite after Three Eleven. But Three Eleven does this—you know—it's hard for me not to pick them. <laughs> if they come out with an album that I really don't like, I'll definitely let you know, and I will say it. But it hasn't happened yet with Voyager, and they just continue to put out music that I just constantly love and enjoy and which cements them as my favorite band so <laughs> 311 Voyager is my favorite
1: I'm just wondering what, what that would be like you know, if 311 came out with like a, a polka album that you <laughs> didn't <like> or something <laughs> I'm just wondering what that would be like I'd probably
2: yeah. find something to love about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well at least it ended <laughs>
2: um, well, even with polka, they can throw in some good melodies or something in there so, <laughs> that I can appreciate.
1: But. It's funny that you mentioned an um, uh, uh, all-female punk band or whatever. Um, because, well, I have two, again, favorite albums of the year. <laughs> uh, one came out in 2018, that but I only got around to it last year. Um, but the first one is uh, uh self-titled by this band called trampoline team um it's uh, not all female all female led there's a female vocalist um, it's really fast punk rock uh three chord punk rock um, it's just a extremely fun record <laughs> and I would, if, if, if you like that other band you probably like trampoline team
2: okay I'll so, write them down too right After yeah. <laughs>
1: um trampoline team yeah,
2: right
1: trampoline team yeah okay uh but my second one is uh this band called idols um uh, i d l e s uh british band um just one of the most brutal punk ba- punk bands i've heard in a long time um and that's why they called their first record brutalist
0: <laughs>
1: uh just really really heavy um Uh, really aggressive like extremely aggressive especially with not that not that album brutalist but their new album that came out in uh, 2018 called um joy as an act of resistance so um what happened was so idols came out with their sound and their band and you know they, they came out with this album called brutalist and they were touring it around around England, I guess around the world, and I I, I guess with fast, aggressive, loud music, you you attract a certain type of audience. And What is that audience, Tim?
2: (laughs) Would you say, well, there's different ways you could look at it. You could attract someone with strong views, I guess political views, if you want to say. Right.
1: (laughs) Certain Strong views that skew to the right, I'd say, right?
2: Okay, well, I don't know if it's just yeah. exclusive to the right. I think there's something you can make for the left, too. Well, well,
1: okay, so, well, in this case, it was skewing to the right.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, but they, they, they realized that, you know, oh, th- this isn't us. Like, people are not listening to our music, you know, because, like, on the first record, it's about work, the working class and, like, you know, how to. You know, how to protest and stuff like that. Um. And so with this record, they 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 wanted to change that. They wanted to be like, no, we we are not the, a right wing band. We we do not believe in that. So with this record, joy as an act of re- resistance. I mean, it's in the title, joy as an act of resistance. They 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 wanted to change that and sort of change their audience. Um. And so it, it, it's a side of the band that, I mean, cause I really liked, uh, I really liked Brutalist. It, it, it was a great record. Um, but I, I was just wondering if there was anything else and like, like, why are they using so much metaphors for what they could just be saying? You know, I mean, they, they are a punk band. You just, mm. and, and punk is literal, right? And so just be a punk band. Um, and I was wondering if there was anything else um, to that. Like, like was it just that that sort of heavy-fisted, foot-stomping thing? Or was there anything else? Like, c- c- could they explore different emotions rather than just, you know, I'm just going to beat my fist down on this table, right? And so with, with Joy is an act of resistance, they, I was surprised that they followed it up so fast and that they did that you know there's a song about immigration you know there's a song about um uh miscarriages i was like and and that song about miscarriage it sort of stops the album dead i I mean it's like it it's it sort of like threw me off greatly it's right in the middle of the 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 track listing and i was like "Wait, wait is this a song about you know miscarriage like you know, a, a stillborn is stillborn. You know, like I mean, that's like a direct lyric from that song. And yeah, I, it, it it totally took me by um, surprise, and I was so glad that they they did something different with their second album, especially following it up so fast. I think it was like a year and a half after their first album came out.
2: Yeah, that is a quick turnaround um, time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah, it it, it totally wowed me and I I love the album. It's it, they they still have their heavy-handed sound. Their their that I mean I can't use a different word, so their brutal sound, the the, the shrieking guitars, the, the the heavy bass, the heavy drums. Um But yeah, it totally wowed me, especially like with their different subject matter and being more literal, like you know, we do not agree with your right-wing views or your conservative views. Um, Immigration is a good thing. You know, um, being this macho guy isn't a good thing. Um, And we also have this song that is, it's it's the most uncomfortable and painful thing to talk about, I'd assume. And we're going to put that into a song on our record, you know. And it's gonna be it's gonna be linked to our sound, but it's gonna be something totally different. Um so that's why those two albums are my my favorite of twenty
2: nineteen. Cool. Well, I got some new music to check out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll I'm gonna check both of those bands out. Yeah, you can't. I called... uh, go ahead. Uh, I was saying, the last one you're talking about, they're called Idols, you said?
1: Yeah, I D L E S. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you didn't, you didn't give me anything, Tim.
2: <laughs> what do you mean I didn't give you anything? Besides
1: 311. Uh, you didn't really give me
2: anything. I told you about that other band, Dollskin. Oh, I was really yeah. in so
1: I gave yeah. you two. <laughs> okay, yeah, I listened to Dollskin then.
2: And it wouldn't hurt you to also listen to some 311 mixed in there, too, so... <laughs> <laughs>
1: We've been over this, Tim.
2: I know. <laughs> you gave it a shot with a Transistor What you first asked for an album, and I gave you my favorite one. So I can't say you haven't tried.
1: <laughs> I've tried, Tim. I just can't get past the rap rock.
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> and that's, I respect that. But they're so much more than rap rock. <laughs> that's yeah. I what I want you to at least try to appreciate with some of their other so, songs and music styles.
1: So, So let me just break it down for you uh the the music categories that i do not like pop punk i just can't get into it it's too happy <laughs> yeah uh, there's it's a few bands happy.
2: i can listen to but overall it starts yeah. to get monotonous and the same when you see these other bands sound exactly like, right. them, like each other
1: especially in the early 2000s Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: oh. one band i really do like and you can say that's in that category is newfound glory i do like newfound that glory yeah yeah
1: uh yeah pop pop rock i mean a pop punk uh sorry um jazz i just cannot get into jazz
2: (laughs) i just can't do it i I can appreciate jazz but it's not my favorite i
1: i I just don't get it i don't really get it at all at all um new metal i cannot i cannot do new metal
2: I and do like new some metal. new metal bands. I gotta say, <laughs>
1: wait, like, like what new metal band?
2: Like, well, you could throw in—I don't—I think they evolved with, since this, but Deftones was in that class. But I don't think right. they consider that now. But then, like, Papa Roach was thrown in there. I do like yeah. Papa Roach, and uh, who else was another one?
1: Who sings uh, "Done with the Sickness"? Oh,
2: Disturbed, yeah, Disturbed. They—they they have oh. some good songs. I do like some of their early albums are pretty good, but.
1: What song did Drowning Pool sing?
2: Uh, That one, Bodies? Oh, Let was big the big. Bodies Hit the Floor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, that was a good album. I do like that one, too.
1: Yeah, I just can't... But then when you go
2: into, like, <laughs> Limp Biscuit style territory, that's what I that, so it was like. Limp Biscuit man, their guitar player was really good. He came up with some great music and heavy riffs that I love, but... When Fred Durst opens his mouth, it ruins the song. (laughs) So I would love it if they slim biscuit tracks with just the music. I would listen to that a lot, but (laughs) not so much with Fred Durst.
1: There was another one, too. Uh, Disturbed. Was it like Mud Shovel or something?
2: Oh, Mud Vein. Mud (laughs) Vein, right. Yeah, they're trying to rip off Slipknot. And oh. just where they would wear makeup instead of masks, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Oh, Man, we used so... to, I we still I still laugh so much of that video that they put out. <laughs> what video? I think the song was called "Dig," where yeah. they're in their makeup and it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> like Hold type on, in the music video for Mud Mudvayne Dig. So Mudvayne, Dig.
1: You know, oh, God.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, that reaction said it all. All
1: right. Okay. I just saw the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a DNA strand or something. Yeah.
2: I don't remember the exact details of how the video plays out. I just remember there like a white backdrop with nothing there. Yeah. there got the it's guitar like player, red makeup, It almost yeah. like a blowfish. <laughs>
1: The drummer's like has like a stripe.
2: Doesn't like the bass player have like these devil horn hairs? Yeah, brands or something like that. <laughs> Man, I can't remember. It's been years since I've seen that. <laughs> and,
1: and like, uh, I, I guess the singer has like a long beard, but he has it in two pigtails. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. they're still around though. Really? Well, I don't think they do the makeup stuff anymore. <laughs> I still see it? their names mentioned on you know, like these new album releases, but I get like Spotify or whatever letting me know what's new. I like, remember seeing though No,
1: they're not around. the The band has been inactive. Okay, oh, right. yeah. I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, ninety six to two thousand
2: ten. Wow, I'm well, surprised they lasted that long. <laughs> I know.
1: Mudvane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, where were we? Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> the music styles you don't like. <laughs> okay. So pop punk, jazz, um, new metal, rap rock. I just cannot get into that. Um, <laughs> it's it's so cheesy to me. Like all the, all these except for jazz are cheesy to me. Um, Particularly new metal and um, new metal and pop punk.
2: Um, yeah, I could understand that. Where you have to walk a fine line in that cheese factor, but yeah, certain well, ones punk, I think can rise above and have that heavy sound and like, great aggressive screaming vocals and not be cheesy. But certain times when you yeah. go too far, <laughs> it does come off as cheesy. So I know where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, and pop punk, it's it's either the subject is either a love song. Or it's a bot. Look how wild and crazy we are. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> right. So uh, Rap Rock didn't miss the whole limp biscuit I mean uh Limp Biscuit Lincoln Park thing. Um didn't get on that bad way, thankfully.
2: Uh um, the there could be some really good rap rock, which obviously for me three eleven I really love Lincoln Park too. Yeah. But- there's a really bad side of it, too, like you mentioned with Lip Biscuit, so that's another one yeah. hit and miss for me, but I can't say I hate it, obviously, since my favorite band is considered rap rock rap in their early days, but it's still continuing on now. But.
1: Okay, so here's another one for 311. Uh, it's not really a genre that you would find at a record store, or I guess nowadays on iTunes or Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. White Guy Reggae. I just cannot get into it. It's like, what are you doing? Y- y- you have the Jamaican accent, and you know, you're singing. Ugh, I just can't get into it. Uh, it's so cheesy to me. So sorry, Tim. <laughs> uh,
2: well, again, I'm just going to say some can do it well, some cannot. To me, yeah. 311 does it well. And then remember that artist, Snow? <laughs> no. From the early '90s, it came out with a song called "Informer." No, I do not.
1: And probably for good reason. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like that as a joke now. But you try to uh, do a white guy reggae rapping type thing. That was just and if he's if he's hear that song, you should watch the in living color spoof of it with Jim Carrey <laughs> doing yeah. that song. That that's the classic. <laughs> what was the name
1: of the the um... Disturbed? Right. Done
2: or, with
0: the sickness.
1: Yeah, right? uh, I just yeah they're, they're still around. Did they do a music video for that?
2: Yeah, I'm sure they did. Early 2000s, bands were still doing music videos yeah. back then. But I don't think it was anything like Mudvayne's video <laughs> that drew too much attention to itself. Yeah.
1: That that mud vein video was terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> You're gonna have to watch the whole thing when we're done recording. i <laughs> yeah, just
1: looking at the uh, disturbed. Well, at least they use live concert footage for it. Did they?
2: Okay, it was one yeah. of those videos. Yeah, that's usually when a band's putting out their third or fourth single and they don't have time to make a music video for it. Right, <laughs> so right. they just throw out a bunch of tour footage. And there's your video. I think every band has that. 3.11's version of that is the video for a Beautiful Disaster off Transistor. Yeah, they just didn't have time to film yeah. <laughs> music video. Nope. Foo Fighters' version of that is No Way Back, and Weezer's version of that is for a Photograph. Yeah. <laughs> so, every man's done it. Uh, so, uh, is, is there any other
1: uh, bad music video, new metal music video? <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: sure if you, if you click on the Mudvayne one, it'll Put you down a rabbit hole of bad yeah, <laughs> new metal bad music, music, music videos. Yeah. Uh, you could be lost all day on YouTube.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, on to our next uh, favorite thing.
2: Okay, next up, our favorite new metal video of 2019. <laughs> I'm sure there's not too many of those now. We, we were nope. doing that in the category. <laughs> but no, it's going to be our favorite video game of 2019. And... I came to the sad realization, Dane, that I only played three new video games this year, I think. (laughs) Which, for me, it's sad that it's gone down that low. But it's going to be one that came out in early 2019 in one of my favorite video game franchises, Kingdom Hearts 3. It was one that was a long time coming. And for me personally, I know some fans probably felt disappointed by it, but I wasn't. The way... Mainly from, you can say what you want about the story. I'm sure a lot of people weren't going to be happy with that. To me, it ended in a satisfying way, but yet I know they could have done more with it. But at the same time, they incorporated a lot of stuff from the side games. And because you know about all those different Kingdom Hearts side games (laughs) that are out there. They did a good job of incorporating characters and story elements into this one and giving it a conclusion, while still setting up stuff for future stories, which I'm going to play next month and their DLC content. It's out now for the PS4, but for some reason, the Xbox One version, I have to wait till February, so I'll be playing that next month. But also from a gameplay standpoint, that game was just so much fun. The combat system, which I've always loved in Kingdom Hearts, was as fun as ever in this one, with some of the new gameplay mechanics and abilities that you have, dual keyblade wielding, the theme park attraction summons that you get to do on it is good these new attacks that you link to a certain character that you encounter with they give you new abilities so all that stuff is just so much fun to play the game or a series has never looked better on the xbox one or the ps4 the new worlds that you went to in the disney movies it'll almost look like you're watching the movie it looked that good when you go to the pixar levels like toy story and the disney levels like got tangled and frozen when you see cutscenes, scenes it almost looks like you're watching <laughs> the actual movies it was that good so it was the game that was long time coming and for me it was worth the wait when you think about the gameplay aspect of it the graphics and how it wrapped up the story for the main series it was just i felt very very satisfying and i played that game to death i got completed it to 100 percent completed every side quest collected every collectible that you could in the game got the ultimate weapon for each character so i pretty much maxed out my time on that game got every achievement for it so i'm just anxiously waiting for that dlc to continue the more kingdom hearts fun so that was my favorite game of 2019 and i didn't have much to choose from but still i think if i played more games that one probably still would have been my favorite i really really loved it
1: yeah sorry i'm just watching the Drowning pool, uh, <laughs> video. You mean, you're watching um,
2: Mudbane? Come on, <laughs> uh,
1: not as bad, I'd say. Um, I I, I do remember now the, the weird facial hair of new metal bands, yeah, <laughs> uh, just a tiny uh, strip whatever. <laughs> um, right, so video game, I, d- I like you, didn't play a lot of new video games. Um, this year. Uh, I guess um, Fallen Order.
2: That was going to be my number two pick because that yeah. was the only other one. And then the other like, still... oh, only other game I played was a remake of an old Zelda game. Zelda's uh, Link's Awakening on the Switch. That's it. Those three.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, so I guess Fallen Order was n- not a perfect game. Maybe if you had a X- the new Xbox, but...
2: Yeah, definitely wouldn't have been as buggy for you, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I guess, yeah, that. (laughs) All right, well, hopefully next year it'll be Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. We'll see. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we'll see, Tim. (laughs) All right, next up is going to be a favorite comic series of 2019. And obviously my comic reading has gone down substantially since the early days and years of this show. But for the ones I did read, um, Star Wars... Batman Ninja Turtles and Doomsday Clock were the main ones I read this year. And my favorite is gonna be Star Wars Age of Series. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this comic series, Dane, but it was a series that went on for most of the year that focused on each age of Star Wars. You got Age of Republic, which obviously is the prequels, Age of Rebellion, which was the Age of which was the original trilogy, and then Age of Resistance, which is the sequel trilogy. And it was just issues that focused on specific characters from that era. And pretty much, there. I don't think it was a bad issue in in this run. There were some that were better than others, of course. But there were some really great ones that really gave you great insight into characters you already knew and loved. Like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon from the prequel era. And then also in dealing with Clone Wars, it was a special issue that dealt with Captain Rex. And you know the adventure with Jarjo is actually really cool. And then in the original trilogy ones, had some good stuff was Princess Leia and uh, Boba Fett had a cool issue there. And then in age of resistance, we got some really great stuff that delved into Kylo Ren and Snoke and how Snoke trained Kylo Ren. This part where they even went to Dagobah, which was pretty interesting and how that played out. And then Captain Phasma had a great issue. So it's just great stuff that made you appreciate the characters even more throughout the course of that run. So um that that series in particular i was excited for it but i was pleasantly happy how it delivered on the expectations as far what it was set out to do and just giving you a little bit of new insight into these characters from the movies and just getting you even more excited for the upcoming film back when these were coming out with the rise of skywalker when we were reading those age of resistance issues so yeah that's gonna be my favorite comic series of 2019 though TMNT was pretty close as they were building up to issue 100. There was some big stuff going down. A fifth turtle was introduced into the fray of the TMNT group, and you might bring back some bad memories of the Ninja Turtles live-action series in the mid-'90s from Saban Entertainment, which was just god-awful and introduced uh, the female turtle Venus de Milo, which was an atrocity. (laughs) But this one, they just handled it really well and it was organic of how this new character and this new turtle uh, fit, came into how she became a turtle, first off, and then how she fits in with the dynamic of the turtles we already have and just their core group of characters who they interact with. So it was just really well done and just cultivated to issue 100, which was the end of a big arc, <laughs> I should say, that began from issue one and had... Finally had some resolution in this one hundred issue, which was really good. So T was solid as always in twenty nineteen as well. But the Star Wars AIDS of series did something really cool with the characters that we don't get to see too much in comics. So that's why that one was my favorite. So I'm not yeah, sure how many I'm, comics just... you read this year, Dane, but <laughs> Yeah, not not many. <laughs> Even if there's some older ones that maybe you've yeah. read for the first time.
1: No, not really. Sorry, I'm just watching this uh, Papa Roach music (laughs) Um,
2: Uh, You're you're on the new metal train right now, huh?
1: Yeah, I went down a rabbit hole. Told you. I I I forget the new metal thing was for for the basis was to uh put the fretboard right up against your face. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Yeah. To be playing it like a stand up almost like a stand up (laughs) bass.
2: So what Papa Roach video are you watching? Uh, Last Resort. Uh, yeah. Biggest hit. Their big hit, yeah.
1: yeah. It, it, at least it looks like they're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like surrounded by their fans or whatever.
2: Yeah, that's something I think you could probably say about all the new metal bands, hopefully, if they were having yeah. fun. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, um, no, not really. No comic series, no writer, no artist, no issue. Yeah, I'm pretty blank on those ones.
2: Yeah. I mean, this year is going to be interesting. Next year for me, because it's mainly going to be Star Wars stuff I'll be reading in TMT, and then we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. like I said last episode, DC gets stuff, puts stuff out that gets me excited again. And Once they hit the, hit the DC universe out, maybe I'll catch up and read some of the stuff. But yeah, it's probably going to be a, a slow year for comics for me, too. But for 2019, yeah, I'll going to go through my favorite writer artists. Oh wait,
1: uh, let me ask you first. So, so the reason why you're not picking up DC Comics is uh, anymore isn't because they're not uh, they're they're isn't because they are not they are not because they are diversifying their 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 um, characters.
2: No, they just got to put out stories that I'm excited about again. <laughs> oh, that so, makes so me are to gonna,
1: you're not gonna complain on the internet, then. That the main reason why is because they're
2: diversifying and including women and all that stuff. You mean people are complaining about that stalker? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, again, I just gotta. I can't just blindly buy comics anymore just because. Yeah. I their characters I like because you know financially you gotta <laughs> spend your doll money wisely in this day and age now, especially with Certain things that's come up recently, so you know, got to really pick and choose and make sure I'm enjoying what I'm buying and not just buying it because I have to or stay loyal to. It's because I love Batman so much, and those stories will be there eventually. Like I said, with the DC Universe app, it just might be a little bit later than normal than when I would read them. So that's the big reason. But you know, you know I forgot Lincoln Park had the uh the
1: guy on the turntables. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably the most useless member of the band. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. I keep on distracting us with <laughs> new metal music videos.
2: Yeah, it's, it's fun going back and remembering that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but for favorite writer of 2019, I'm going to give it to Jeff Johns. And even though it was infrequent with the release, when we did get issues of Do- Doomsday Clock, they were just fantastic reads. And he ended it as satisfying as I think you could and it was just a great story that he turned out over the course of two years and I think really drove it home with the final few issues that we got in 2019 and brought it all together to a really compelling story and bringing the Watchmen universe and the DC universe together which you think would be impossible but I think he did it as well as you could and to go along with that Gary Frank would probably be my favorite artist of 2019 because his art man it was worth the delays I will say I'd rather have wait to read the issue and then just to have it be rushed and put out just to get it out and not have the art be consistent and great because yeah, Gary Frank, I think knocked it out of the park with the art for almost every page, every panel. The characters look fantastic. and It was definitely a big reason why I think Tuesday clock was so enjoyable to read as well. Gary Frank's art complimenting Jeff Johns' story. They just both work so well together. And there was a reason Jeff Johns picked Gary Frank to do this big story. And it showed In these final issues. So both Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Would be my favorite writer and artist of 2019. But for my favorite comic issue of 2019. As much as I did not really enjoy Batman in 2019. And the City of Bane arc. And the final stretch of Tom King's run. He did probably put out my favorite issue. And that was Batman 83. Where we got the issue of Batman realizing that Alfred has been killed. And his reaction to that. And then getting the message that Alfred left him and just really bringing home how special that father son relationship that Alfred and Batman have was. And it was the reason why I thought killing Alfred could potentially bring some great emotional storytelling to Batman's character. And this issue proved that. And it was just so well done. The art of it was great seeing Batman's reaction and the facial expressions that he's had. And when he was remembering certain things about Alfred and, the way Tom King wrote Alfred's message, message to Batman and even retconning some stuff that I wasn't happy about that Tom King did with Alfred and Batman in his the early issues of his run. So it all came together very nicely to such a great tribute to Alfred and Batman's relationship that is just so important. So that was a really fantastic issue and was one that stood out to me the most in 2019. So, yeah, that's it for the comic front but now we got to get to our final topic which is our favorite overall geek or nerd experience for 2019 and for me this one there are several of them so i'm just gonna lay it out (laughs) as go i guess i don't know if there's in particular order but i'll give you my number one which probably is not gonna be another shocker but some of my favorite moments of 2019 the birth of Hooded Justice, as you mentioned for Watchmen, that was such a great episode. And just the way the pieces were laid out before we got to this extraordinary being, it just made all the sense in the world when we saw it actually unfold in that episode and just seeing how Hooded Justice came to be. It was just so well done, a great story, and then just told so wonderfully in that episode. So that was a great moment. And then getting something I never thought I would get, Batman TMT animated movie that was a definite highlight of 2019 in particular the batman versus shredder fight because as i've said in my reviews of the comic and of the movie how that was something i really felt was missing from the comic story and something i wanted to see and the movie did it and boy did it not disappoint one of the greatest animated fight sequences you're gonna see and some you wouldn't expect anything less from a fight between batman and shredder so that was definitely a highlight. And Avengers Endgame, the whole ending sequence, I mean, Marvel almost did the impossible as far as doing something where you're bringing over 20 movies with tons of characters together for one big epic final sequence between these heroes and villains with Thanos. And boy, did it deliver. Characters got their moments to shine. The main established heroes, Iron Man, Captain America, they've had their proper send-offs. The death of Iron Man was felt so... so You know, it was sad, but yet so right for the character in the arc. We've seen Tony Stark go on for over 10 years. It just felt so perfect and beautifully done. Captain America's ending, getting to live his life the way he wants to with Peggy Carter, and then coming back or showing up as an old man, being happy with how he lived his life. It was just beautiful endings for all these characters, but yet that battle sequence was done in such an epic scale that you can only imagine as (laughs) kids growing up reading comic books have ever seen something like that on screen, so... Avengers Endgame. The whole ending sequence was just the perfect culmination and ending of this part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So so great. I totally forgot about Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get so much stuff now that yeah, yeah. you know some certain things you might even forget came out this year, but that was a big one.
1: I did like the ending though with yeah. uh, Captain America and Peggy. Yeah, finally being together and then mm-hmm. they show their life and then Captain America or Steve Rogers goes. No, I don't think I will tell you about yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. And then, as I alluded to at the beginning, one of my favorite moments of the year has to be the words "Ray Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, after seeing The Force Awakens, talking about it for so much and speculating on who, what's Ray's backstory, who's she going to be, and the idea of... I mean, me personally, I've said this since The Force Awakens. I was hoping she'd either be you know, related to the Skywalker, the Solo. But then I would be okay with the idea if she took on the name Skywalker. It would be something pretty cool for a way the Skywalker name to continue on and that legacy to continue through someone else while their story is coming to an end. And I got that. And the smile I had in my face when she said those words, "Ray Skywalker was so big, I still get chills when I hear it, even seeing it five times now. So that was another highlight. Of 2019, so all those ones are just stuff I really geeked out on the most this year. There was a lot of them.
1: Yeah, for me, I don't really have one. Uh, That's got to be something, Dean. (laughs) I mean, I guess Watchmen—the the the hype around and you know, finally seeing it, like you said, this extraordinary being, and Hooded Justice, and uh, the end, and yeah, I'll say Watchmen.
2: Very fine choice. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be our favorites of 2019. As we even talked about the beginning of the year, how there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. And sure, not everything's going to live up to expectations and maybe some disappointments. But overall, I felt 2019 was an awesome year on the geek front with all this amazing content we got to enjoy and hopefully for more in 2020. So we'll see what our favorites of this year are going to be in next year of 2021. So we'll look forward to that.
1: Sorry, I'm just looking through <laughs> new metal. <laughs>
2: uh, what have
1: I bands. done? Yeah. Uh, I'm
2: done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm surprised oh, yeah, you
1: I'm lasted done. that long.
2: So. I'm done, Tim. Anyway, I was hoping maybe it'll get you into some new metal bands. <laughs> uh, hopefully not.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's let, let's go on to our news and discussion topics for this uh, for this episode, and we only really have one, but it's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, surprised me. I don't know if it surprised you, but <laughs> the
2: amount did. It really did.
1: Yeah, uh, that's uh, that. Joker has been nominated for eleven eleven Oscars. So, the first one: costume design, sound mixing, sound editing, original score. Film editing, cinematography, makeup and hairstyling, adapted screenplay, leading actor, directing, and best picture, Tim. I didn't expect the best picture, (laughs) to be honest with you.
2: I was hoping for it. I mean, there was some buzz early on, before the movie came out, that was potentially going to be the case. So I'm glad it was. But, man, I wasn't expecting 11 nominations. (laughs) which was you yeah. know i think it leads the category for any movie doesn't it
1: yeah yeah it has the most nominations
2: just to have oh. that for a comic book movie i just think is awesome i mean last year black panther was the first comic book movie to be nominated for best yeah. picture and now it's continuing with joker and it's leading the nomination so it's just great but the question is how many of these are going to win and i think one is definitely a lock and that's that best, is best picture picture right <laughs> Here's hoping, but yeah. I think it's going to be Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix. He's won all the Best Actor awards already this year, so it's going to be hard to imagine that he's not going to win the Oscar Best Picture as well. Yeah, I think.
1: Uh, I mean, come on, makeup and hairstyling—that's another gotta one. To, yeah, <laughs> you got to give it to the joke, uh, Joker.
2: I'm also hoping for adapted screenplay too. So,
1: yeah, to, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I
2: don't think it's going to win, but I would like to because it's the kind of give homage and respect to the comic writers that it's being adapted from. I'm not sure because every time they have the nominations for best adapted screenplay, they announce who wrote the story that it's being adapted from. And I'm wondering yeah. who's going to get the credit for this. Is it going to be Bill Finger and uh, Bob King, Frank Miller for some of the inspiration took from the dark Knight returns? Maybe I'm not sure. So I'm curious what writer is going to be, you know, being credited for what it's being adapted from
1: hopefully not uh frank miller yeah. <laughs> i'm really hoping uh, it's bill finger since yeah bill finger and bob king let's just yeah, do that jerry
2: robinson too jerry robinson yeah. yeah since they pretty much created him so that would be nice trying to, to see
1: what I'm just trying to see what it's up against um that screenplay oh, okay oh the irishman uh jojo Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs>
2: well, that's actually based off something that, I didn't know that.
1: Taiko YTT movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joker, Just Mercy. I don't know what that is. Little Woman and the Two Popes.
2: Hey, Ryan Johnson
1: is nominated for an Oscar.
2: It's for writing for, uh, the for original
1: screenplay. Uh, uh, yeah, Knives Out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see. Who is Joaquin Phoenix up against?
2: He's up against Christian Bale and Adam Driver, I believe.
1: Uh, Jonathan Price for the two popes. Adam Driver, yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for yeah, and and Antonio Banderas.
2: Really, he's up for a best actor.
1: Yeah, for I don't know a movie called Pain and Glory. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Um, but hey, I think
2: well, why is Tom Hanks
1: nominated for a supporting actor?
2: Yeah, I was wondering that too for the Mr. Rogers yeah. movie, right? Yeah, the, Isn't yeah. he the lead? <laughs> yeah, is, doesn't he play Mr. Rogers? <laughs> I know. Maybe it's there's another main character in that movie that yeah. is the focus in Mr. Rogers. is a supporting character in there, but I haven't seen it yet. So can't speak to see why, but there's got to be a reason for it if he's not nominated for yeah. Best Actor. But it was also cool. I don't know if you saw it. I think it was the Screen Actors Guild Awards where Joaquin Phoenix won. And just how he was thanking and showing respect for all his fellow nominees like Christian Bale and Adam Driver. But then how he ended it by saying he's standing on the shoulders of his favorite actor, Heath Ledger. Pretty much why he's here accepting this award. I thought that was a really cool touch. Oh, really? Just, yeah. It was just awesome to have him pay respect to Heath Ledger like that.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking at the Makeup and Hair uh, nomine nominees, uh, because I think that's that has to be a given, right? Uh, I would so, like to think
2: so, but you never know. Yeah,
1: so it's going up against Bombshell, uh, Judy, uh, Maleficent. I
2: didn't even know there was a
1: Maleficent movie.
2: Yeah, they made a second one that came out this year
1: with uh, Angelina Jolie. Yep, uh, and nineteen seventeen. So I think. Joker isn't going to win because of 1917.
2: Yeah, I think you know, 1917 if, like, is going to be win- winning the cinematography and film editing oh, and yeah. sound mixing and sound editing. All Probably those ones that's going to take those from Joker. Yeah. Maybe
1: it isn't a given. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> uh, costume design, maybe. Yeah, but uh, I think it'd probably be more deserving for makeup and hairstyling, but you never yeah. know for costume design. Yeah, oh well. We'll find out. Yeah. I think they air at the Next month. middle of February. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's it for news and discussion topics. And now we can move on to, um, you know, I've se- I've seen a lot of this, Tim. And I've seen a lot of mixed reactions on it um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: online. Um, also, it's clear I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I I've seen, I seen a picture of... I, I seen a picture of is it? It's Laurel, right? Uh oh, yeah. And a bunch of other women walking in like business suits. Uh, in like a office building or something. I don't know.
2: There's was a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I'm curious to find out your review of the final two two episodes of Crisis on Infinite. Earths. So so is Arrow uh, wrapped up already? Are they
2: one gone? more episode left next week is oh. the final episode. And of course I'll review that in this final season once sure. we see it on the next episode. But sure. um for this one, since you know, it's not a common review, but I am reviewing these two episodes, I think we still gotta have a rating scale. Those shouldn't go away. <laughs> and so I think I rating? know where it's gonna be. What is it, Tim? New metal band videos <laughs> that Dane can't stop watching. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's exactly it,
2: Tim. Okay. So, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the final two episodes. Going to go into spoilers here, but even though it's been about two weeks since it aired, so hopefully you've seen it. So, it picks up where the final third episode left, where the Paragon heroes were... Every, the, all the multiverses destroyed. Only a handful of heroes were left alive. And it was just, if I remember right john jones flash supergirl lex Luthor, who took over from brandon ralph superman uh sarah lance aka white canary and Choi, who is the next who's going to become the, the new adam they haven't they're setting the seeds for him becoming the new adam yet so um i think that's it i might be forgetting someone but those are the main characters who are still alive and so once they're stranded on the it's like the space between like space and time, <laughs> like the center of the universe where the wave of the anti-monitors during the multiverse couldn't affect them. So they're there, but they're several weeks have passed. They're having trouble to, how to get out or what to do next. But then Oliver shows up. Now he remember he died in the first episode, and he comes back as the Spectre, which they alluded to in the previous episode that he was going to be shown how to become the Spectre. And it makes sense for Oliver's character to become the Spectre in this universe. I thought it was handled well. Just his costume left a little bit to be desired. (laughs) It felt very TV budget. It was basically just a cloak and a trench coat with a hood over him. He didn't have the cape like the Spectre does. His face was kind of just a little more pale it wasn't full blown white but they just did very little to make them look different so uh but i did like oliver's role in being the one to help the heroes do what they need to do to defeat the anti-monitor and restore the multiverse so he's able to he gives spare a uh, berry kind of an upgrade in his speed force abilities and he's able to basically go through the speed force and get the heroes to where specific spots where they need to be. First, they're going to try to go back 10,000 years to stop the monitor from first going into the dawn of time and creating the anti-monitor. But he's able to, he puts Lex and Supergirl and Choi on his home planet to try to stop him. But then the rest of the characters also forgot uh, Batwoman and Kate, who was part of this group too. They get Attacked by the anti-monitor and get lost in the speed force in different eras of arrows past because this episode is technically an arrow episode so it's dealing a lot with oliver and his in his series and his characters so barry then has to rescue the character stranded in the speed force and this is where we got one of the coolest surprises of crisis on infinite earths and unfortunately i was spoiled on it before i watched it because this was one thing no one had a problem talking about on twitter <laughs> like even as the episode was air- airing no one made any attempt to try to keep it a secret which was a little bummer but still cool to see where barry meets ezra miller's flash from justice league which really blew my mind because i didn't think that there would be any way <laughs> they try to do any connection to the movie universe but the fact both of them were face-to-face kind of shocked to see each other. It was just really cool. And them geeking out on each other's costumes. And the fact that they filmed the scene together was really cool. Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin were on set filming the scene. Because I first thought maybe, oh, they just shot Ezra Miller and they incorporated his footage to Grant Gustin's. But no, there's set photos of them together and working together. It was just really, really cool. Something I would never expect to see. And again, it's like, why not? The whole DC is built on the multiverse. And if you can incorporate these different TV shows, I thought, and movies now, It is really cool, that it's all part of this one big DC universe, and it's cool that they're just really go full blown into that, even with the more current movies as well. So that was just a really cool, unexpected, geek out moment that I was not expecting this this crossover to do, but it was just really, really awesome. So they eventually, barely, eventually rescues everybody and gets to the point where they need to be, which is the dawn of time to try to stop the anti-monitor from doing what he does and destroying the multiverse. And they attempted to stop the monitor for even going there in the first place. But it's revealed that since it's a multiverse, there's always going to be a monitor who goes to the dawn of time and inadvertently creates the anti-monitor. So that's who they have to face. And they have a fight. The fight sequence in this, this point of the episode, they're fighting like these shadow monsters. It just wasn't very well choreographed to be honest you could just tell they were fighting against nothing <laughs> when they're filming and then they inserted the cg shadow monsters it just wasn't the best well choreographed fight scene that we got in the series but for the payoff on it i felt was really good as oliver can I ask you a question go ahead
1: was it like that other fight that you're talking about like Superman is fighting the anti-Superman or something. Yeah, well, in there. I would
2: say the effects here were better. It just wasn't well choreographed. The so, Superman versus Superman fight—that was just bad CG effects. That took me out of it.
1: <laughs> I I want to. I really want to watch that. J-j-j- see that just to see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: not the acting in it from Brendan Routh is great, but man, <laughs> the fight not great at all i'm sorry it's, it's a bummer because <laughs> it's a great sequence with these two Superman talking to each other and just seeing brendan ralph in the role again but they just sort right. of left the fight out <laughs> <laughs> but in this fight sequence the big payoff is that oliver is going up against the anti-monitor as the specter and he has all his powers now which it's kind of crazy to see oliver looking back from season one of arrow just this street level vigilante now has these cosmic powers and he's saving the whole multiverse with it. And it's just, I like the arc that Oliver went on the fact that he progressed to this point in his life where he's now taking on the destructor of the universe and going to save it. And he's able to stop the enemy monitor and defeat him. And with his help and the remaining heroes or the paragons, they're able to rebirth the multiverse again and create it in a new way. And Oliver sacrificed himself. So he pretty much died twice in this crossover. Once as Oliver, then other as the expector. But this was the you know, finality of Oliver's story here. And this is where I have mixed feelings on it. I liked his role and how he became the Spectre and was the main part of def- stopping the Anti-Monitor here and restoring the multiverse. It seems fitting as Oliver was the hero, the first hero who started off this big Arrowverse universe that we now have It's only fitting, kind of like Iron Man in Avengers Endgame. It makes sense for him, the one who started the MCU. He would be the one to ultimately stop the villain and in Oliver's case here, to rebuild the DC Multiverse. So it felt fitting that it was him. I just didn't like the fact that this is his big death scene and a lot of characters from Arrow, I felt, should have been there, weren't, and they didn't get to have a proper goodbye and send off to Oliver. Characters like diggle and regardless of how you feel about felicity she probably should have been there laurel the only ones who were there were barry and sarah lance and it made sense for sarah because she's obviously a big was a big part of oliver's life and him and barry obviously became really close and good friends but i just really felt you need that core group of arrow characters for oliver's final goodbye so that's kind of the give and take you get with these crossovers you can't have everyone here and for a big event to happen like this you know you're gonna have some of the other characters who are crossing over from other series be a factor when ones from their main show aren't going to be there. So it's kind of give and take, but I really wish characters like Diggle would have been there. That plays a thread in the next episode where Diggle just feels such regret that he wasn't there for Oliver when he needed him and to say goodbye. So maybe it's a story point that we're going with, but I would have rather have Oliver's death be on a more, Condensed episode of Arrow, so to speak, where his main cast of characters are there to say goodbye. And we'll get that probably in the finale because there's been images in the previous shows. There is going to be a funeral for Oliver where the characters will say, or give their respects. But I just felt some of them should have been there to actually say goodbye to Oliver. So the next episode kind of has to deal with the aftermath of that, where one of the cool new things about how the CW shows are now Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow. Even Black Lightning now—they're all part of the same Earth. It's Earth Prime. Before they had to go to different Earths to interact with each other, but now they're all part of the same Earth. Things are different now, where certain characters who were gone are now back, and like Sluthor is viewed as a hero now, (laughs) and not everyone remember. Pretty much nobody remembers the crisis except those who experienced it. But Martian Manhunter is able to make certain characters remember pretty much all the main characters from the various shows. They get to remember things post-crisis and what happened there. So I I do love the aspect that now all these shows are part of the same earth and they just could reference each other. Now make special appearances without having to explain, Oh, I'm from earth 52 or earth (laughs) seven or something like that. That is all part of earth prime now, which is cool. But yet a lot of the other DC properties are part of the multiverse like The TV show Titans, that's back. They even make reference to the Green Lantern movie. I couldn't believe that, (laughs) showing another Earth. I forget what number it was, but they did show the Green Lantern movie, which was quite surprising. So again, love love how they're encompassing all the CW shows on one main Earth, but yet all the bigger DC universe is still out there. So I did like how it kind of scaled it down for the shows, but still knowing there's a bigger universe out there. But um, this episode kind of dealt with like i said the aftermath of that characters remembering certain things and another cool cameo we got which was probably even cooler than the ezra miller cameo was that um marv wolfman uh, had an appearance in here as of course the writer of crisis on infinite earths and this had a small cameo where he was interacting with uh, supergirl in the flash which was this you know something cool about seeing comic book creators talk to heroes they've written or even created in certain aspects. So it was just really cool to see him get that appearance on a actual DC show. But the anti-monitor wasn't fully defeated. He comes back. um, They have this big fight, which is actually a better fight sequence than the one I was previously talking about. It was most of the heroes going up against the anti-monitor who grew in size. It reminded me of of Apocalypse from X-Men and it was actually a better representation of Apocalypse than apocalypse and the x-men movie <laughs> that we got with oscar isaac in the role they did more with what apocalypse did in this tv show than what we got in that movie was it where he grows in size he's like the characters are trying to take him down it is a very satisfying action sequence with a character like that who has that much power so that was really cool and then the episode ends after they defeat the anti-monitor for good they pretty much shrink him down to a subatomic level and they're Bringing in the microverse <laughs> into this now, which is of course is the the Adam is a big part of it. So it was cool they're establishing that lore now here, and then afterwards, some heroes. Like I said, they're going to have a funeral for Oliver on the finale. But the heroes of this crossover paid their respects with a monument for Oliver, with Barry, Kara, Sarah, Kate, uh, Clark, obviously John, and Jefferson Black Lightning. They had this memorial service, very small, just with them, with Oliver. There's a statue. I Was there a statue? No, I might be confusing that with the last Arrow episode. Maybe there wasn't a statue, but they pay their respects. And then after that, they pretty much set the Justice League where they have this, they bring Barry has this, ta- this round table as the Justice League has to set up for when they need to come together to fight any threat that has their logos on the chairs. It was just setting up, you know, that the Justice League is going to be established in this universe now. And you can complain that, you know, it's not really Justice League. There's not, there's no Batman. There's no Wonder Woman, no Green Lantern. And, but yet in the course of the characters we got in this universe, it makes sense that these are the ones who are going to be the founding members of the Justice League. Flash, Supergirl, Superman, Martian Manhunter, Batwoman, and Sarah as the White Canary and now Black Lightning. So it does make sense that these are the group that are going to be the Justice League. So you just have to take it for what this universe has established already. <laughs> so you just can't be looking at, oh, it should be Batman. It should be Green Lantern. They're not here yet. So they exist, but they haven't been a big part of these series yet. So it doesn't make sense for them to be the founding members in this universe. So I'm totally okay with it. And then as they pan out of the room that they're in, it's it looks like this is abandoned factory or warehouse. But as you pan out, it shows it's the Hall of Justice. <laughs> that Well, it's going to become the Hall of Justice, but the exterior is the classic Hall of Justice design that we've known from the comics and various animated series. So that was a cool touch. Then they had to spell this little Easter egg for from the Wonder Twins, where <laughs> there's this caged monkey uh, cage that you could show that it was escaped. I think there was a note that said his, his name was either Bleak or Bleep. I forget his name, but I knew it was that monkey from the Wonder Twins. <laughs> uh, so they're I don't know if he's going to play a in any show, but it was just a little Easter egg they had, a, I guess, wanted to reference Super Friends. So that's how it ends. Like I said, I was happy with how it left things in the universe with a lot of the shows being now part of the same Earth. That was really good. The role Oliver played and his death, even though I wish it was handled a little differently, but I did like how it was his final part of his character arc and how he both saved and started a new universe as and it felt fitting since he's the one who kicked off this whole cw universe so overall i thought it was a satisfying conclusion some great surprises like i said with ezra miller's flash bar wolfman's cameo and then just looking back on this whole crossover as a whole with all five parts just a lot of great cool stuff to love from it as a dc fan my favorite episode probably was the second one that dealt. had Kevin Conroy, that had Brendan Routh as Superman, all that great stuff, Tom Welling back as Clark. So that was the highlight of the whole crossover, but I felt it did end in a satisfying way. So overall, I'm going to give it four out of five new metal band videos that Dane has to check out. So definitely a very satisfying conclusion to this crossover. It just sets up new things for this universe as a whole and how it's going to move on from Arrow and what... Uh, the character is going to do after that, so I'll be anxious to see what happens going forward.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they dusted off the uh, or they brought back uh, uh, the Green Lantern movie.
2: Yeah, that was definitely it's surprising. Like, uh, I know they're making a new series for the WB or for the HBO Max platform, but. Yeah. I don't think it's going to have anything to do with the movies. I'm surprised they just used stock footage from that. Of course, they did show Ryan Reynolds. There was a lot of wide shots of him flying in space and the Green Lantern Corps on Oa, but that was about it. But you knew what they were referencing. Yeah, just dusted right off. (laughs) That's so good, right? (laughs) I know. Probably had to dust off the reels ago. Where is the Green Lantern video put (laughs) in? Oh, man. But Anyway, yeah, that's it for our episode.
1: Yeah, uh, done. I'm not used to that. Um yeah, just go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash Batman Universe, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse Uh Tim's Twitter handles at timg 311 will say it. <laughs> we talked about movie. it so much. Yes. <laughs> My Twitter handles at Dane says banana. Uh rate and reviews on iTunes, and you can email us at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that like we say at the end of every... Oh, I forgot to say, the show's center handles at Bad
2: Fans Podcast. Sorry. But
1: like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim.
2: We love each and every one of you with all of our hearts. And I want to say, not to end the episode on a somber note, but I just want to dedicate and pay tribute to this episode to the memory of John Beerley, who we sadly lost this past week, who if anyone right. has known him Interacted with him or just listened to his podcast, knew he was just such the kindest, nicest person you can meet, and just such a bright, shining light to this fandom, whether it was Batman, superheroes, or Star Wars. He was just a great person to be around, to talk to, to listen to. He was just someone that you could call your friend even though you've never met him. He was just, I had the privilege of meeting him at Star Wars Celebration 2015, I had the privilege of podcasting with him. And just treated you like family. And there was no one kinder than you could ask to have be a part of this fandom. And on social media, the outpouring of love that is being shown for him is well-deserved. And just really know what a impact he had on so many people. So, John, this episode is for you and you will be missed. So, yeah, I want to dedicate this episode to him. So, yeah, not to end on a sovereign note, but I just felt I had to do that in his memory so yeah
1: yeah speaking of which uh since he passed uh there's been pictures of him going around and i gotta say my favorite picture he's reading uh batwoman
2: elegy Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know if you
1: saw that one
2: (laughs) yeah that's i just thought that was great yeah and he was the one who i first remember really saying scott snyder is the future of batman Because he would be reviewing issues on for Batman on film, and the first issue for the Black Mirror, he just gave it a great review and to say this is going to be the future of Batman. And boy, was he right with the run that Scott Snyder had. So he just he was a talented writer in his own right and just had an eye for great storytelling. And he did it right there for knowing that Scott Snyder was doing some great stuff with Batman. So yeah, just a great guy and a great. Lost for this community and for anyone who's known him. So thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to all of his close friends and family.